Hey traders, David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Thursday, April 29, 2021. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? Well, we have an interesting day on our hands, so we have what to talk about. We see a pretty decent tail candle on today's candle all the way here to the right, only the market's at new highs. So it's not like a tail candle making a low, it's just a tail candle. But do we read into that? What is today's activity actually telling us? We're also going to peel back the onion just a little bit, and we're going to dig deeper into what is the market actually doing and why? What's actually going on out there in the market? And it's deeper than don't fight the Fed, it's deeper than they're flooding the market with money, it's deeper than there's a reopening trade, it's deeper than all the things that you hear over and over and over again. We'll start with the daily chart. Is anything jumping off the page? Well, other than today's unusual tail candle, no, it's in the same position it's been in. The trend is your friend until she throws your crap out the window. The trend is the dominant thing. That leads me to the other thing. So today, the market started to sell a little bit, and it looked like today could have been some kind of a turn. We don't know what kind of a turn, but it looked like the market was putting in at least an intraday reversal, and then we had a rescue operation, they saved the tape, and they finished near the highs as they normally do. That's a function of two things. A the trend. It's the dominant thing. It's the force that's pulling the market up. It's driving the market forward. Now, here's the other thing that goes a little bit deeper that I mentioned before. What's actually going on out there? What's actually happening now? It's not that the market's headed to a resistance area and then it's going to spike through and it's going to turn around and reverse and all that stuff. What's actually going on is more in tune with time than price. The market is absolutely headed to a destination, but my belief is, at this point, the destination is purely in time. Once it gets to the destination, it's going to be obvious that they've reacted from that destination, similar to what we saw today, but without the rescue operation, it just continues to sell. And when the market reaches that time destination, and remember, time is more important than price. There obviously will be a price, but time is the dominant thing in this conversation. So when the market reaches its time destination, time will be up and the market will change direction and other things will change along with it, including the character of the market, the sentiment around the market, and so on. A good analogy or example of when time runs out, here's what happens, is when the market's in a rising wedge scenario, a lot of traders will think of this tape as a rising wedge scenario. And maybe some make sense and some don't. I can't seem to come up with proper trend lines that depict a rising trend scenario, but that's not the point. It's not so much about this particular chart, it's about time, but here's the point that I wanna make about a rising wedge. And similar things apply in certain triangle patterns, but let's just say that the market is working its way up a rising wedge. And in doing so, the range becomes narrower and narrower because it's a rising wedge, and you can see the trend lines 
are pinching price together as it rises. Well, what happens, and this is just technical analysis 101. We're not saying this can't happen. It does happen from time to time. They bust out of a rising wedge and continue higher, and the whole rising wedge thing was just for naught. They generally turn around after that, but this is the fake out. Or it just drops when it gets to the end and it's pinched together and there's no more range to be had. It just falls out of the rising wedge. And this is an example of when time is up, time is up. Now in this particular case, the market will draw time for you by definition because it's pinching together. The range is becoming narrower, which creates the rising wedge pattern, not the other way around. It's always the market that's dictating whatever pattern is going on, whatever is happening. It's not the indicator, the trend line. The market draws the trend lines for us. All we do is connect the dots. Here's an hourly chart. Let's get a better picture of what actually happened today when you can play Monday morning quarterback you look back and say, all right, what did the market actually do? Is it different than we see over and over and over again, not necessarily every day, but just on a consistent basis? Did the market do anything different or did it really do the same at the end of the day? Well, let's look at it like this. Again, we're playing umpire, calling balls and strikes. So here's the way we're gonna look at today's activity. One way to look at it. The market spiked up, it got to the big fat round number. The big fat round number was represented by 420 in the SPY, 4200 in the S&P ES contract, the futures, SPX is the cash index, all that stuff. 4200 is a big fat round number, so the market wanted to get there. We know that's magnetic, we talk about it all the time. So the closer price gets to these magnetic numbers, they tend to draw price in. Whether it's drawing price up or down doesn't matter. The big fat round numbers draw price in. So the big fat round number drew price up. They were rejected once they spiked through the big fat round number around today's open, and then they proceeded to sell. Okay, fair enough. The first hour of the day looks like a pretty decent bona fide reversal candle. It's of note, it's a puzzle piece, it's on the table, but also there's a couple of other things at work. What I'm doing is giving you my thoughts as the things unfolding during the day, and you'll see most of this or all this stuff inside the numbers, but I'm just giving you the 30,000 foot view, looking at the chart after the fact saying, what did they actually do? So after the reversal candle, we had a couple of things of note. So there was a gap, and when I'm talking about the gap, I'm talking about this candle here. So they could come and fill the gap, which also coincides with a former breakout area. What do I mean by that? Well, it's pretty obvious, right? The market ate time off the clock this whole entire time, and then it finally broke out. So what do they do? Even though it was just a tiny breakout, not really commensurate with the amount of time that they ran off the clock, but now they're coming back, and they're coming back to do what? Well, they could be coming back to fill a gap and run a test or check in at the most recent breakout area. We talk about that every single day. The market does it over and over and over again. So in the morning, that could have been all that was going on. But wait, there's more. What if they get below certain stuff? Then all of a sudden, it changes the character of the market. It's no longer just a pullback, quote unquote. It's no longer 
just running a test of a breakout area, if they get below certain stuff that is important and they start closing hourly below that stuff, it changes the trend. First intraday and an intraday trend will ultimately morph onto the daily chart and so on. So what was that number today? 417. You'll see it inside the numbers. That was the line in the sand. It was depicted as the line in the sand. And until and unless they were closing candles, specifically and especially an hourly close below 417, then it was just a shakeout operation. When you're looking at a short-term chart and right of the vertical is today's activity, it looks like the market's collapsing. When you're looking at a longer-term chart, they ran a test of the 20-period moving average, they ran a test of the breakout area, they spiked through and ran a test of an important number, and they bounced off of it, and they did not close below it. So guess what? It was a test. The trend is your friend. And that's basically what happened today in a nutshell. Let's check out what happened inside the numbers. What I want to do, because this is an open book setting, I want to run through the commentary so that you can see what was posted all day long, see if you think there's value in having an angel on your shoulder during the trading day. We'll circle back to stocks on the move. We start with a happy Thursday, wake up to the big fat round numbers. So they were spiking up early in the morning, overnight they did it. Maybe it was a delayed reaction to Kabuki Theater. That was yesterday's FOMC meeting. Maybe it was the president's speech last night. Maybe it was the bullish pattern doing its thing. In my world, that's actually what it was. Now, you could also say it a different way. The market's eating time off the clock in a bullish flaggish pattern, for example, because it's anticipating a positive reaction from the Fed, a positive or good reaction from the president's speech, all that stuff. So you can say it's the egg before the chicken or the chicken before the egg, doesn't really matter. All we need to know is when they're eating time off the clock in a bullish flaggish kind of formation, generally speaking, the majority of the time they're gonna go higher. All the other stuff is just nonsense. Who cares what the Fed said? Who cares what the president said? Doesn't matter. We're moving along. Let's see what the early thoughts were. They're doing the thing. 4,200, 420, no surprises. At new highs in no man's land, we have no point of reference. There's no resistance up in no man's land. So we simply let the S&P do their thing up there. Just like yesterday, we'll focus on stocks on the move for the morning opportunities until something else develops in the SPY. And we're moving along. The equivalent to 4,200 in the ES this morning was 419.50, give or take a penny or two on either side. So above those numbers is the most bullish position that they can be in. Moving along. While the market was bullish in the pre-market, we're noting support around 418.35 to 417.85. That's for a trader looking to participate in the melt-up operation. They have a little bit of a morning shakeout, and then they continue higher, deeper into the big fat round numbers. Well, we know what happened after the fact, but this is the thought process. You have to know everything that's in front of you before the market opens. You didn't think I was going to let that one go, did you? So we're back on the chart. 418.35 is this line here. 417.85 is the middle line. I think I said 85. It's 418.35. So you can see when the market did come down, that was the zone of support. They did bounce. When they failed, a failure is a failure. 
They give you the bounce, but if they fail, it is what it is. We have to understand what resistance and support is. They're not always a buy zone. They don't always give you a rocket ride in either direction. A support or resistance zone or number is where the market should stop going in whatever direction it was going and should at minimum of stay there or go back in the other direction. If they stay there for any length of time, they begin to eat time off the clock and do what? Right, build energy to continue moving in that direction. Henceforth, 418.35 down to 417.85 was in fact a zone of support. We're moving along. As the day got underway, the S&P was rather quiet, so we don't have much activity before they started to move. One of the things, and this is from Technical Analysis 101, you have a high from yesterday. So the high was 419, I think it was 419.01 or something like that. And so from a technical perspective, you would expect if they run a test of yesterday's high, you're likely to get a bounce from yesterday's high. This is early in the morning. Now, just so we have the visual, we're back on the chart, and here's 419, which is now the top horizontal trend line. And you can see, first they came up short of it and began to bounce. Then they came into it, spiked it through, and tried to find stability. That means there were buyers that read the same chapter in the book that I just told you about. When they failed, they went into the zone for 1835 down to 1785. 42020 is an important number, and you'll see that surface later on. So we saw the test of 41835 and all that stuff. Now, when traders did take a trade in the zone, they have to be booking profit along the way. 417 is still the line in the sand. Now, this is for the long side traders by 1045. The first order of business is to close candles above 41835. First, it's support. What was support becomes resistance. They did that, but then they couldn't get back to 419. That's where the failure came in. Next, they need to recapture 419, which would be the ticket for the bulls to run a little. We'll circle back to stocks on the move. As for the SPY, Trick and Company really trying to shake out the Johnny-come-latelys. It's obviously a support area. The question is bounce or bearish flaggish kind of thing. It's support until they give up 417. Let's move along a little bit. Should be in the time zone for a low around 11 o'clock in the morning. We tend to look for when the market is trending in a specific direction, whether it's up or down, we get into a zone. We don't know when it's going to happen, but at some point, mid to late morning, we usually find some kind of an early or morning pivot. That's when the market is trending in a specific direction. So it's an awareness that we want to look for around this time. That's why I'm talking about it. So what we're saying is we're in the wheelhouse where they should be finding a low. If not, it's trouble and they'll begin to drip lower and run a test of 417, which, by the way, is precisely what happened. By the way, today's market was not an easy market to trade. Let's get that out on the table. If you were successful trading today's market, more power to you, but it wasn't easy. Trick and Company or the Trick, Trap, Fool and Frustrate crew, they're the folks that are designed. Their job is to make traders and investors look like fools the majority of the time. They were out in full force. One thing I can tell you, just because we have the numbers doesn't mean we can always have successful trades. But here's what I can tell you also. If you don't have the numbers, 
your odds of having successful trades go way down. Here, at 11 o'clock, we're saying, if something crazy happens, we'll be around. So this is the way this works inside the numbers. When the market goes to sleep around the middle of the morning toward lunchtime, there's no reason that we have to be staring at the screen. So I use it as an opportunity to get away from the screens for a while. I need to do that. But on days when it's wild, on days when there's a lot of activity over lunch, I'm happy to stick around. Let's move along a little bit and see what happened. So you see a video here. I'm not going to play the video. First here, they started to bounce, and then they came down later. So around noontime, when they were coming down, they were starting to run a test. The writing was on the wall. So I made a quick video giving members both sides, giving members the important stuff. Watch out for 417. Here's what it looks like. Here's where it goes bad. Here's where it doesn't go bad. Here's where it gets good. It just made more sense at the time to make a video four or five minutes long than to try and type all that stuff out. Anyway, that's what happened today. Now, when I posted the video, all of a sudden the print got smaller going forward. Not sure what happened, have to work on it later. When tech goes wrong, I freeze. So here's what we've got. 417 was the line in the sand and they've given up the line. This is an intraday reversal unless we see a big time repair operation. As long as they stay below 417 on candle closes, especially in hour one, it's the bull fumble at the next big fat round number, meaning they fumbled the ball at 4200 or 420. Remember, these things have to start on a shorter time frame chart and morph from there. So the awareness is it was absolutely and actually happening in real time, and without the rescue operation, it would have been a reversal. But we know the number, 417. If they're not going to close below that number, it's not going to happen. It's always how they close them at the end of the day that's most important. So I'm already telling you that around noontime. A few minutes later, could be just a test of 417, maybe a recocking of the weapon on a smaller scale. Yeah, it could be. Let's see what else we've got. If they were going to get below and close an hour below 417, what would happen next? Well, you have to put it up on the board. It didn't happen but we have to know in advance, 414 to 414.50. And that would have been on the docket today had they closed the hour or multiple hours below 417. And then you have no accident, they closed the hour just above 417 by a few cents. Resistance is now at 418.50 if they can get there. Here's the chart again, and guess what? Here is 418.50, so guess what? They got there, and it was resistance. Now, they didn't have to get fully rejected, but they stopped going higher. They pulled back a little bit, and then they blasted through. What did they do after they blast through? They come back for a retest right here. What do you do with that information? When they do that, you know a couple of things. A, 418.50 was important. B, as long as they stay above, they're going to go higher. Know your numbers. So now we know it's a repair operation. Now they're going to get back to 419, which was yesterday's high. That was right out of the technical trading book 101. Right here, they're back to this morning. I'm sorry about the fine print here. And by 2.30, it's next up. 4.20.20, give or take, again. And there it is. That was on the board earlier today. That was on the board this afternoon. It was a target and resistance. And then you come into the end of the day, and you can obviously pause the video, read the notes, Go back to the charts and double check the work. I encourage you to do so. Stocks on the move. Wasn't a great day for the list of stocks on the move. 
in part because the market turned around this morning and then everything gets dragged around and some of the bounces that actually occurred later don't happen when we expect them to happen and yada, yada, yada. Not making excuses. Not all the trades are going to work out. I'm just saying it wasn't a great day in advance. We're going to take a look at eBay, Merck, BMY, Teladoc, Playboy, Cree, and the last one there, Citrix, didn't hit its number. eBay, getting a haircut, came into the zone, but never really took off from the zone. First number, second number, averages here, and look what happened. So it was a dud. No harm, no foul. Merck was a late addition. I actually put it on the board after the opening bell, saw it happening, looked like they were headed to a destination, made sense to me. 73.13, put it on the board. You can see what happened. They had a bounce, but they came back and they played around with that number until the end of the day. Again, it was okay. It was somewhat of a base hit, but not a rocket ride, but the number worked. BMY, 63.41 was the first number, and you did get a bounce at the first number. When they came back and they hovered around an eight time off the clock, it takes the second number really off the table, and you can see what happened. It was the second number that was the final destination for today. Again, it's not like a harm situation. It's a no-harm situation, but this is where I'm saying it just wasn't a great trading day. Teladoc, getting a haircut at the open. In fact, this was more akin to a buzz cut. And 174.78 was the first number, but what was the opening print? How about 174.71, under the first number? So what does that do? Takes the first number off the table. The second number, you get a little bounce, goes below, you go back above, and they hover around it. And guess what? Nothing happened. Again, it goes into the camp of no harm, no foul. Some traders got a profit on the second number. Some traders got stuck in it, and it just treaded water all day. Playboy. The only reason we're looking at this one is because it missed the first number by pennies, and they did the deal. When they come back, you don't want it anymore, and look what happened here. The low in this candle, 43.91, against the second target, you could see it peeking in a little bit here, 43.81. So they missed by a dime, and that was the rocket ride. But 45.50 was a number. How do we know that? Well, look what happened. They came back to run a test, and then they took off from that number. So that definitely was an important number. When I put two numbers that are rather close together on the board, it's for one simple reason. I can make an equal case that it could be either number or both. Sometimes when I put two numbers on the board, it produces two separate and distinctly different trades. Cree, this was a shit burger. It was stopped at around 100 bucks, a little bit below, and it's gonna happen. Not gonna win every trade. This is gonna happen sometimes. Shitburger du jour. I hate to finish the list on that one. I should have did that one first. What's going on over in Camp IWM? So I find this a little bit interesting. So the market rallied, the Dow rallied, the S&P rallied, the Qs rallied. They all finished up on the day. Not the IWM, my favorite market leading indicator. Why was it not up on the day? So it's interesting. So we know that we're in a lower high scenario. What does that mean? Well, simple. You have a high over here and you have a lower high. So if they bust through and make new highs, so be it. But right now, a lower high, if they start down and get back below these moving averages, it really begins to get negative. Got negative here, but they saved it. Got negative here, they saved it. One time they won't save it, but still, above all the moving averages, the trend is your friend, 
but it's a little bit suspect when other markets are at new highs, around the old highs, and the IWM is not. In my view, from where I sit, the IWM is trying to tell us something. Doesn't mean anything's going to happen tomorrow, but it's trying to tell us something. It's a divergence. It's a non-confirmation signal in my book. So what does that mean? It means it's a puzzle piece and it's on the table. And yes, the other side of that is maybe they're just eating time off the clock, building energy, not ready yet to make another push higher. Above the moving averages, the trend is still in the northern direction. What about the folks down at the transportation department? New highs, nothing wrong with this chart whatsoever. This is my second favorite market leading indicator and historically my absolute favorite canary in the coal mine. We talked a little bit recently about the SMH being somewhat of a canary, but this is the bona fide canary in the coal mine. So there's nothing wrong with the transports. The trend is your friend. All you have to do from here is simply move it along. What about the Qs, the folks out in Silicon Valley? They ran a test of home base, the 20 period moving average, and bounced off of it. The trend is up, the trend is your friend. At this point, we really have no choice but to look at the Qs like this. This is really more of a bull flag pattern, building energy trying to bust out to the upside. That's what's going on here until or unless it fails. It can fail. Something will fail from somewhere, but at present, it's not failing. At present, the trend is up. At present, this is a bullish pattern, and that's the way we have to view it if we're the umpire calling balls and strikes. XLF, anything wrong here? No, finished out on the highs, big bullish day. Other than almost vertical, there's nothing to say other than bullish. Tomorrow is the last day of the month. Is everything running up into the end of the month? And at some point toward the beginning part of May, will we begin to see some of the froth come out? It's possible, but again, we don't know it until we see it. We're not going to guess that it's next Wednesday. We're not doing that. Talk about Smash Mouth. Here's that Smash Mouth again. We have lower highs. We have to pay attention to lower highs. We've got it in the IWM, and we have it trice here. This is a third lower high. Now we're below the 20-period moving average, but above everything else. So this isn't in bad shape. It's not terrible. They can certainly shoot up and take this third lower high scenario right out tomorrow if the market gets jammed up into the weekend. But at present, this is what we have. Therefore, we have to note it. We have to be aware of it. Something that we look at on a regular basis will be a tell for something that happens in the future. The reason why we keep looking at these things, it's the way we learn. It's the way I know how today to look at certain things, to find divergences, to look for anomalies, all that stuff, is because over the years, you find out what works and you find out what doesn't. Not everything works all the time. Not everything works overnight. The stuff we go over here, generally speaking, is tried and true. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.